0: The Guardian. The start of the year is when divorce lawyers report their heaviest rate of inquiries as married couples make the unfortunate decision to start the year apart. The fear of a messy divorce means that prenuptial agreements, a contract which regulates the distribution of assets before they marry, are increasingly popular. The Law Commission recently recommended that prenups become legally binding, taking the power away from the courts in divorce cases. I'm Afua Hirsch and this week's Guardian Focus podcast discusses the effect prenuptial arrangements will have. Are they the fairest way to distribute assets? Or is it impossible to predict how the marital finances will pan out in the future? We'll also be looking at divorce law as it stands and ask why the process of using lawyers may be expensive and increase conflict. We'll be asking if divorce should be simpler. But first, let's gauge the public opinion of prenuptial agreements. We asked couples at the UK wedding show in Coventry if they had considered having one drawn up before their big day. Is it a romance
1: killer? Our party band who are here today at stand number 139. I'm going to perform for you on stage. Please welcome to the stage, Freddie, just kill covers... <laughs>
0: priority for you and that's absolutely fine, I've got absolutely no problem with it, but for for us, for me and my partner, we've just got no interest in exploring that avenue, it's just the way we are, I suppose. Might be naivety, but that's just the way we are. (laughs) I'm slightly older than the normal bride, Um, so I think prenups are a very good idea. Um, I think that it's not a romantic thing, um, but as you get older, you, you're not so, quite so concerned with all the romance that goes with a wedding. Um, I mean, it would be great to have a prenup with somebody uh, and come
2: from the same point of view, you know, the fact that I've got as much to lose as they have. In the world, everything's down to money in the end, isn't it? I think that's fine if you've got loads of money to start with, but as I've got nothing and he's got nothing, we're starting with nothing. We don't need to split it. <laughs> Good for some people, but uh, makes no difference to us. Uh, however, really, we don't really—it's not going to bother us.
3: So. To be honest with you, just an individual thing. So everyone is different. So if something suitable for yourself, go ahead with that. If not, still
2: fine. Good for celebrities, not for us. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. But again, you've got to have trust in each other. If you haven't got that, I suppose then you shouldn't be getting married, really. Hey, it's one of those. Yeah, don't be greedy.
4: love trying to get their dresses. Talk to the wedding planner. 25 years I've been doing this, and this is why My name is Jane Dayas-Hinch, and I'm a wedding planner, and my TV show is called Wedding SOS. It's cropping up more and more, in that I do about 40 weddings a year, and the couples are either American, Canadian, or English, depending which side of the pond I am. In America and Canada, it is almost um, every day it's agreed, it's their culture. Here, it isn't. We are based on trust and love in the UK, but we are seeing more and more people saying, we have to get this organised, we have to get this sorted and put it down on paper. We can't just sort of do a huge broad brushstroke and say, prenups for everyone, it might not be for everyone.
0: The Law Commission published their consultation document asking for the reform of prenuptial agreements in response to the case of the millionaire heiress Catherine Radmacher, whose prenup was disputed by her ex-husband. The Supreme Court recognised the agreement and also said that future courts should give effect to them. An advantage of this law being passed by Parliament is that it would mean prenups can be properly regulated. The Law Commission published their consultation document asking for the reform of prenuptial agreements in response to the case of the millionaire heiress Katrin Radmacher, whose prenup was disputed by her ex-husband. The Supreme Court recognised the agreement and also said that future courts should give effect to them. Joining me to discuss these issues is divorce lawyer Vanessa Lloyd-Platt, Dr Janet Reebstein, a psychology professor at the University of Exeter, as well as being a family and relationship clinician, and Susie Miller, creator of The Starting Over Show, which is a divorce fair. Welcome to you all.
3: Hello. Hello. Hi.
0: Susie, before we move on, could you just tell us a bit about what a divorce fair is?
3: Well, it's kind of the opposite of a wedding fair, um, but people come into the room, uh, it's like an exhibition, but it's very different from a wedding fair. It's not a commercial feel at all. It's more about finding out what is mediation, what is collaborative law, which is the form that keeps you out of court, and all the different (coughs) options and the ways that you can go through the process. It's also a very holistic approach because your emotional side needs to be catered for. um, And that's what doesn't often happen with the traditional divorce process. So you can talk to life coaches and counsellors and even a mystic housewife. Wow. (laughs) We'll come back to some of the
0: issues you raised actually just telling us about the divorce fair. But first, there have been concerns that some women come off worse in prenups. For example, um, if the man, as is often the case, is the wealthier party entering a divorce, um, then there are concerns that years down the line a wife may have signed up to an agreement which at the time she couldn't have anticipated would later become unfair. Um, For example, she may have contributed to the family in non-pecuniary ways by supporting the, the, the husband or raising the children. Vanessa, do you think that women have more to lose than men in prenuptial agreements?
2: I think there's a dichotomy here because I think the irony is that a lot more women are actually coming to us for prenups to be protected, (coughs) particularly women who may have come out and got their own divorce settlement or women that are worried about protecting their assets generally may have even a small flat that they'd like to protect or ring fence. But yes, it is absolutely the case that in some of the higher net worth cases, men are coming along and saying to women, we want to really ring fence Virtually everything. And I think there is a huge concern that women, most women, unlike some of the women we heard on that, are romantic, they do believe in love, they do believe and have this romantic notion that things will work, and they don't properly consider the implications of what will happen quite some time down the line. My personal concern about these prenups is the issue of duress, and although the law does recognise this shouldn't be, I do think duress is a very strange concept, because it to me is duress, and I do a lot of these, when a woman has booked her wedding, the bridesmaid's dresses have been bought, she's bought her own dress and everything has been arranged. And then the law is saying, you know, at least one month before the wedding. My God, everything's done one month before the wedding. So I think that in itself, that my concern is that there should be sufficient time away from a wedding because otherwise women will be under pressure. They will be disadvantaged. And I think it's wrong. But what the Law Commission is saying, which is really important, is there should be thought about sunset clauses. Now, sunset clauses are clauses they have all over Europe and elsewhere in the world so that the prenup can only last for a short time and then it has to be renewed so that you take into account the change in circumstance and I think that's a very important there are various things you can
0: do to to regulate those pressures
3: aren't there um Susie do you promote prenups at your divorce fair um we focus mainly on people who are going through the process of divorce but um i on a personal basis do encourage people that if particularly going into a new relationship with assets like myself I, I don't have very many but if I get married and that falls apart my children only have half a house instead of a whole house so I'm very conscious <coughs> that for a lot of the people who come to these starting over show events it is quite often it's their, not just their first divorce maybe their second and they're wiser so it's not about it's not romantic to fight over the spoils I say to people you know, if you can have an intelligent, intelligent conversation before you get married plan your future with that person which incorporates a little bit about what, what happens if it doesn't work out that's a grown up and, and wonderful thing to be able to do with somebody
0: but that's on the basis that a prenup will simplify the divorce and make it more grown up as, as you said but isn't there a danger that If it goes wrong and one side disputes the terms of the prenup, it can actually significantly conflate the proceedings.
3: I think the way that uh, the prenups are done, as Vanessa was pointing out, they need to be done way before the wedding. Um, I think um, mediation as a process has a really strong role to play in the creation of... of of uh, prenups, um, and then with legal, proper, independent legal advice to finish it off and, and make it make it solid. And I also totally agree that it should be something that's updated regularly, along with your wedding vows as well. I think yeah. you should. You know, <laughs> this is this is something that doesn't have to be limited to just legal and financial. It could be a part of the whole way that people treat marriage relationships.
0: Dr. Riebstein do you think that a prenup could actually have a positive effect on the sense of security for? The- the people within the relationship on the basis that if a divorce should happen, they know that the finances will be looked after.
5: Yeah, I think that I think it uh, absolutely would. Um, I think one of the things I want to put in here is that that um, the conversation always turns around a kind of tension between romance and planning, as if there's something unromantic. Uh, there's something good about being just romantic and starry-eyed, and something bad about um, being able to negotiate with your future life partner over things that are going to um, concern both of you, whether it's money or time or how you spend, how you allocate any of your resources. And actually the key, one, of, one thing we know from, from um, research on hardy relationships, the key is being able to manage difficult situations to making a relationship work in the end. So doing this in, at, at beforehand is, is probably the best recipe for
0: future success. Okay, let's hear from someone who actually did sign a prenup. Marina Pearson was married in the US, where this kind of agreement is a much more common practice.
6: I initially got a prenup because we were both bringing assets into the relationship. I recognised that it was probably very useful for us to actually divide the assets so that when we were coming into the relationship, into the marriage, that ultimately what was his was his, what was mine was mine. We, ne- we didn't know what was going to happen in the relationship. You know, at the end of the day, I wasn't going into the relationship thinking I was going to get a divorce. It was more to do with uh, having a plan in place. What we saved, what we, we, we didn't have in romanticism around this particular point, we saved in grief later on. We both went our own ways, even though the situation around why it happened was, was quite messy. But there was nothing really, no, nothing was shared in that sense. We both knew where we were financially. Sometimes you make decisions based on, how, on your emotions right there and then. But then, you know, your emotions are in such fluctuation usually when you're in a divorce and in the throes of change that decisions are made that aren't necessarily the best for you at the time. It's a little bit like when you get on an airplane and you've read the instructions around how you're going to save yourself if the airplane crashes well, this is a, prenup. is a little bit like the same thing. It's like you're planning for something that, if it happens in the future, you're prepared.
0: It's an interesting argument that people should have much more control over the way their affairs are regulated. But Vanessa, don't you think it
2: should be up to the courts ultimately to decide what's fair? Well, I think. There's a division here. I do think that the the consultation paper was saying, and I totally agree with them, that I think that people should have the right to ring-fence certain of the assets, uh, but not to oust the jurisdiction of the court altogether. So, in other words, what they're saying is, we do think that if Auntie May left you a property or a little bit of an inheritance, why shouldn't the parties have the right to ring-fence that, provided that the ultimate decision about what's fair and reasonable is with the court? And I think that's right. So what I think the Law Commission is saying, hidden amongst the 130 pages, is yes, we do support the idea of people being autonomous to a certain extent, but not completely, because people do do silly things. They also are saying in the Law Commission, which is absolutely right, they won't tolerate any agreement that says, I get everything, you get nothing, this is a good idea. So they are leaving the ultimate decision to the courts to decide what's fair, and fair is the buzzword with any prenup. But I have to to say one thing that's very important we do have a different culture in England and our culture is that we find discussing money or any of these issues a sort of dirty word it's very traditional men do the money and women don't talk about it and that's why so many women in divorce come along haven't got a clue however much of a high flyer they are what their husband has always been earning.
0: Susie does that conform with your experience of of couples divorcing?
3: I do I do feel that women um, uh, need to be able to learn to stand up for themselves more in, in relationships uh, all the way through with finances and just what they want out of the relationship and there is a lot of social pressure not to do that and one of the things that we encourage when people come to the starting over shows which is not in- exclusively women but we have a lot of women visitors is that they are there's the life coaching there's the there's a lot of inspirational side to it because you need that emotional support and that sense that that um that you it's okay to actually make a decision, decision about your future and what you want and that you're not some kind of money-grabbing witch just because you're, you're not prepared to lie down and
0: do what you're told. Prenups are obviously part of the much larger issue of divorce. Critics of divorce law say that it's legally cumbersome and it encourages conflict. Let's hear from Scott Collier now. He found the process of dealing with lawyers to be extremely traumatic.
1: What happened to me is that I've discovered that my marriage was over and so the first thing I did was to employ a solicitor and really that was my first mistake because employing, within employing a solicitor you're effectively subcontracting the responsibility of the whole affair. That's what I did is I found somebody that I'd never met before, a solicitor that I'd never met before and because you want them to be that person you believe that they're going to fight your corner and do a great job and everything will resolve. Whereas really these people, and I'm not being acrimonious now, I'm speaking a long time after the event. And the anger has left me with regards to my ex-wife and with with regards to the professionals that I employed. So I'm not speaking from a position of anger. So my experience of family and divorce law specifically was promises. Well, they didn't really make promises. They left very open statements that led you to believe that certain things were going to happen, and they didn't happen. But what did happen was that the war was propagated, and within the fog of that war is the justification for their fees. And so the more fog they propagate in terms of conflict, paper, time, the easier it is for them to exploit their clients financially. The way they acted increased the conflict between um, my ex-wife and I. When I went to the solicitor, my uh, on a marks out of ten between naught and ten, my relationship was with my wife was already at naught. But the professionals that she and I employed managed to find numbers less than zero. What they did was propagate and create a war within which they could create fees uh, with no real thought for the nature of the relationship after they've left the room and and once the money had left the equation because the money had been all taken then the lawyers um, left the room and then my ex-wife and i recognized that it was up to us to repossess responsibility for the process And so we just built bridges together, and then we started to resolve the issues ourselves.
0: Dr. Rebstein, Scott said he felt exploited by the lawyers in his case. And you train family lawyers... Is exploitation of that nature something that you encounter?
5: I, let me just clarify. I don't train family lawyers. I, I do some um, educational um, training sessions for them, but that's not my main role. My, I train family practitioners, uh, clinicians who will work with them. So I just want to get that straight. I, th- I just want to say that's a very, very sad story, and it exemplifies everything that's wrong with um, how, every, all the pitfalls of what can happen. And I think he put his... Finger on it when he started in his first sentence when he said, I handed over responsibility. And um, Susie's point about divorce being not just a legal um, process but an emotional process is, I think, the key point here. The breakdown of a relationship is what's going on, and um, it's not just a legal um, process. And going to the lawyer as if that's his or her responsibility is, of course, going to land you into, um, the traps that he, that he's na- that
0: he's named. V- Vanessa, you're obviously dealing with people in a vulnerable emotional position when, when they're divorcing. But do some lawyers inflame the situation by antagonistic correspondence? Look,
2: I can't say they aren't. Uh, they're a good and bad in every profession. But I would, what I would say is this man went to the wrong person. If he wasn't happy, he should have gone elsewhere. And also, it was pretty obvious that he had had a very acrimonious relationship with his wife. And what sometimes can happen is people can act and behave extremely badly. And when they realise and they come out from the other end of it and they realise actually they behave very badly but they don't want to accept that they behave badly, what they do is dump it all on the lawyers and of course I accept there are some lawyers that do inflame the situation and we really can't encourage that and I certainly don't I have a very holistic approach to this because I know that families have to survive after we have as he says left the room but I think in in this case I think there is too much dumping for what is not taking any responsibility whatsoever for your own bad behaviour and I think People should grow up a little bit and realise they are responsible adults that are responsible in part for their own behaviour and also in part for the breakdown of the relationship.
5: Can, can I jump in here just for a second and yeah. say that I think that we do that as a as a culture. I think we have we have recognised the points that that Vanessa just made, and there is. There are alternative processes that you can turn to, that um, like mediation, like um, go, you know having a counselor or a psychologist help you through that process. And lawyers, many family lawyers, and I think Vanessa is obviously one of them, actually knows know that if they step in, they that, if, that they're that they can exacerbate um, a a process that has at its heart antagonism, because otherwise you wouldn't be breaking up. So um, by, by kind of not taking on that responsibility for the entire process and steering people to ways to manage their behavior, mm-hmm. like in mediation, is in fact now part of what, what many people know is the process of divorce.
0: Susie, do you promote some of these alternatives to litigation at your fair...
3: Yes, I do. Um, um, whether it's mediation um, or collaborative law, uh, ways of staying basically out of court. Um, but more than that, creating a, a real this, uh, a, a platform where people can actually start to be able to communicate again. Because when a relationship breaks down, there is no communication often. But can I just say about Scott's story, there are many people like Scott who have had that experience even when they haven't um behaved badly themselves or or, and when they're just in they're kind of innocence going through the process and they just assume that the family lawyer in the high street is the right one and they don't know how to choose which is why I'm very passionate about encouraging people to look at the different options available and 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 talk to different mediators and different collaborative lawyers and family solicitors and really ask yourself is this person going to treat my situation, the way I want it to be are they are they going to understand that I want to protect my children through this process, and that sometimes I may not go for the most absolute money I might possibly get out of this settlement, and they 're not letting me down if they if they tell me that yes we can go this route, but the consequences could be that and just it's a very difficult role for lawyers and I think lawyers are more and more, that I, the ones I meet, understanding that their clients need to talk to other people as well and to t- take a more holistic approach. Obviously anyone can have a bad experience um, of divorce but a survey by the
0: Institute for Social and Economic Research shows that men do better out of divorce than women. Their available income rises by a third after a split while the women's income will go down by a fifth and stay <coughs> down. Teresa Welch was not paid maintenance for her children when she divorced their father and found it difficult to support them.
7: I was married in 1984 and divorced in 1997 after I found that my husband um, had been having an affair with um, a lady at work. And at that point in time, I had two children. And initially, obviously, after getting over the shock of my husband having an affair, my main priority was the children i contacted a solicitor and i was lucky to gain a full residency order of the children at that point in time he decided that you know he he didn't have enough money so he, he was working um but he did say that he couldn't afford to pay any maintenance money so we didn't actually have any financial assistance from him for a good couple of years it was so all my salary was going on paying for nurseries and securing a roof over our heads. So it was very, very difficult. The law didn't help me at all. The child support agency were horrendous in those days as well. Well, let me just say this. I think first of all, for a man to to leave his wife and children, that must be horrendous for him. You know, I'm looking at the flip side. But I think if you're gonna leave someone, you should take responsibility. There are, there's been times in, since I've been bringing my children up, we've lived in poverty, and I know you might think, "What well, in this day and age, that's what's happening?" You know, because you're a single parent, you're bringing up your kids, you're trying to keep a roof over their head, clothe them, etc., and um, it has been quite distressing.
0: In theory divorce law is gender neutral Um, but Vanessa are men
2: and women treated differently when it comes to issues like money and children? Well I think each case turns on its own facts but there are some generalities and I think that um, some men do do better if they are sort of medium to well off there's no doubt about it Um, and and some women say you know we've had to pull children out of school we haven't had the same lifestyle they seem to have the same lifestyle but where men complain so much, is the loss of contact to their children. And so many men complain that it's imbalanced in that area. They feel that the law is very much in favour of the woman having complete control and say over it. Although, of course, we try to make sure we have very fair, very reasonable agreements between people and we encourage it. But, you know, if you're going to do any gender sort of discrimination, there is a little bit, to to a certain extent, in certain areas of it. And of course, it needs to be over. Hold, of course, is an unhappy situation, and people feel that the whole system is unfair. But one thing I would say that is terribly important and it's not known enough, and perhaps Susie can do it through her shows, um, is the fact that anybody can sign a disclaimer of a lawyer's liability in a case. So a lot of complaint against lawyers is, oh, they were forcing me to go on because they were covering themselves. But the fact is that if any client comes along and says to you, I want to accept less than you're suggesting, If they simply sign a disclaimer of the lawyer's liability, they can do what they want. So clients are in control and we try to tell our clients, actually, you are in the driving seat, not us. Just coming back to the issue of children, though, Dr. Reibstein,
0: what effect does it have on children if their parents are going through an acrimonious divorce?
5: Very bad. (laughs) It's one of the worst um, predictors of children's um, outcome, and and well during the during the the period of acrimony, assuming that it ends, that's when they're going to be most disturbed, and and, and of course that's the, the the key thing. Will it end? Is there a point when parents can agree to disagree and look after their children, um, and and make the the focus on not putting the children in the middle of their fight. The, the main um, the main way they behave if they can do that then children can get over the the, the the fighting that's gone on in the in the beginning but if they never do that and there are many many couples who don't then the children the adjustment the ultimate adjustment that the kids make is
0: bad just to finish off and coming back to prenuptial agreements what do you all think about whether they will catch on in the UK and we've heard a lot about there being a different culture here um, than in other countries but Susie do you think that that could change and we could end up with a culture more like the US.
3: I think with the increase of of women going to second marriages um, and having homes and children already, um, I think they will begin to realise that it's very sensible to to have that discussion beforehand and protect and ring fence some assets (coughs) for their children as much as for anything else. So I hope very much that that will happen, but I think it will happen as a culture overall of learning how to actually talk to your future husband because there are so many people who get married and they haven't even discussed properly whether they're going to have children or not. And it is, that's the problem, is that we don't actually know how to talk to the people that we're in love with. Dr. Reebstein, what's your view?
5: Well, I think there are two ways to look at it. One is from the evidence of, of comparable um, 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 programs like marriage preparation. They have not caught on they've been around for a long time and in a sense they're trying to do something of the same thing they have caught on caught on more in america but not here um so one could look at that and go "Hmm, that's probably it may not happen here on the other hand some of those um those uh, testimonies from the people you had in the beginning point to perhaps something else happening which is a we know that people are getting married at a later date um uh, when they're older um uh we also know that um that more women are out in the workforce and have more things to protect, and those two things go together, the later age at marriage and women being um, having their own property and their own resources. And those two things are, I think, making uh, yielding the, the kind of woman who said, well, I'm a little bit older and I do actually not go into this marriage with this kind of um, pie-eyed view about how, how you know, we're going to go off in the sunset together. So I think that might be the the, the trend that would create the, the climate for prenups taking over in a, in a better, you know, in a wider way.
0: Well, that's all for this week's Focus podcast. My thanks to Vanessa Lloyd-Platt, Dr. Janet Reibstein and Susie Miller. I'm Afwa Hirsch and the producer is Peter Sale.
7: For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.